Hello, and thank you for joining us again for the Crossroads Baptist Church radio and podcast ministry. Today is going to be lesson two in a 10-week series looking at Christianity 101, some of the basic principles for Christian life that we can learn from the 101st Psalm. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Pray, please help us to be blessed by it. Lord, help us be encouraged by it. Lord, if necessary, help us to be convicted by it. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our first lesson, we looked over just kind of some basic things of how we need to decide and make the preparations to um, go along with what is found in the scriptures. Today, we're going to dive into the very first verse of Psalm 101. The verse Psalm 101 says, I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. Now remember, Psalm 101 is basically a whole bunch of I will do this, I won't do that. It's King David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, making a list of things he's going to do in his life or not do in his life in order to please his God. And so obviously that would make for a very good list for us as Christians, if you're saved today, which I hope that you are, very good list for us to look at as well. So the first thing he says, verse 1, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. David begins the psalm with that commitment to sing, not simply to sing, but to sing specifically to God concerning mercy and judgment. Considering that this is the starting point of the entire psalm, this is the reason why I think it's important. I think you start with a very important thing. In church, singing is often closely tied to both praise and worship. Before we examine what that means, though, let's look closer at the singing itself. In God's Word, we find the word sing 119 times. We find the word singing 29 times, songs 78 times, uh, songs 20 times, sang 12 times, sung 5 times, singeth one use in one verse. Uh, Overall, the concept of songs or singing is mentioned over 250 times in God's Word, and there are said to be approximately 185 songs contained in the Bible, 150 which are included in the Psalms. Now, it's interesting to note the first song sung in God's Word is the song of Moses after the Red Sea crossing in Egypt, which is found in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. It's a song of praise and deliverance. This song includes both mercy and judgment in its text, just as David said that he would sing. This is also the very last song we find sung in God's Word is found in Revelation chapter 15 and verse number 1. Let's go ahead and read that together. Revelation 15 one. Here the Bible says, And I saw another sign in heaven, a great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, the sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Interesting that that the word of God begins and ends with that song of Moses, uh, and then, of course, the song of the Lamb there is well included in Revelation chapter chapter 15. In God's Word, there's many types of songs, songs of deliverance, songs of battles, songs of love and joy, songs of lamenting. Uh, through this variety, though, there is a commonality that if we grasp it, will help us 
in seeing to God properly in our lives today. Because contrary to popular belief, you can't just serve God any way you want to. Just like at your job, the boss has certain ways in which he wants you to do your job. God has certain ways in which he wants us to serve him. There are things that are acceptable to God as service to him and things that are unacceptable. There are songs that are acceptable to God and songs that are unacceptable. And so the songs found in God's word share a couple of important things. First of all, the topic of the song is very clear. The topic is very clear. The songs, second thing, are intellectual, designed to make the listener think Unlike many songs today, which are emotional songs designed to make the listener feel. Let's have an example from the Word of God. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles with you, to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. The Bible says here, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made that may have made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth unto all generations. This song is made up of only five Bible verses, but it contains 14 references to the Lord. Seven commands to the listener, four things for the listener to know, and three reasons for the listener to make a joyful noise. That That is a jam-packed song of praise to God. Let's, let's read it one more time. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. When King David said in Psalm 101, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing, I do not believe that the songs he was singing to God were very similar to much of what is sung in churches across the world today. Much of what is sung today, when properly vetted, is often doctrinally false or misleading. It's often emotional, designed to make you feel instead of think. It's often repetitive, not specific to God, or completely lacking in doctrine or truth at all. I would always joke um, growing up, you know, a lot of the a lot of the songs that were sung on the so-called Christian radio stations, you could just sing it to your girlfriend, and you'd never know the difference. There's no speci- there's no specific references to Christ. There's no no references to the blood. There's no doctrinal truths in a lot of songs that are sung today in churches. That's why we love the old hymns here at Crossroads Baptist Church. They preach. Consider again that Psalm 100. In the song, we are told to serve the Lord, sing before him, know that he is God, know that he created us, know that we are his and that we belong to him. We uh, go to church, be thankful, praise him and bless him uh, because he is good and his mercy and truth are everlasting. I struggle to think of even, even any of the old hymns that are so rich with doctrine and truth as Psalm 100 is. I mean, Psalm 100 is packed. Now, I'm not saying we need to trash all our songs and hymns and sing only the Psalms. That would be quite an interesting service. 
What we ought to do, though, is to make sure that the songs that we sing in praise or in worship are truly songs worthy to be sung in praise or in worship. We mentioned in the beginning that singing is often tied to praise and worship in the Bible, and that is true. Praise is often expressed through song as well as worship, but both can be done without singing. Be careful not to assume that just because you are singing a song that it means you are automatically worshiping or praising God. In fact, worship is most often conducted in the Bible while laying flat on the ground face down. Praise and worship are matters of the heart. If your heart isn't in the song uh, that you are singing, then why are you singing the song? Uh, Interesting to note, joy is listed in Galatians 5.22 as the second fruit of the Spirit, the first of which being love. Biblically, joy is connected to music, often connected to music, shouting and rejoicing. We don't have time uh, today with our limited amount of time, but if you were to look at 1 Samuel 18, 1 Chronicles 15, Nehemiah 12, Psalm 32, Psalm 81, Psalm 95, Psalm 98, over and over and over again, we have this, this connection of joy and music. If when you sing songs about the Lord, you have no joy, no rejoicing, no excitement for the chance to sing praises to our God, then you have a problem that traces back to a lack of the fruit of the Spirit being evidence in your life. It's not a problem with the song, it's a problem with your heart. Earlier we made a distinction between singing intellectual or emotional songs. And this is why that is so important. Any churchgoer with a conscience and some semblance of an understanding of what God has done for them can be moved emotionally by a song designed to tug the heartstrings. However, when you sing an intellectual song that gets someone thinking instead of feeling, now their minds are prepared for true praise and worship, not just their emotions. If you are saved and you sing songs like, And Can It Be, Look to the Lamb of God, Jesus Saves, I Will Sing of My Redeemer, He Ransomed Me, Be Thou My Vision, and so many more, these songs will never be number one hits on the Christian radio station charts because they don't sound like the world. They are clear in their purpose, they contain truth and doctrine, and and even though they may no longer be popular in most churches, If you're truly saved by the grace of God, then the words of these hymns will move you and touch your heart, whether they're sung with a full orchestra and choir or or a cappella by a man who can't carry a tune in a bucket, because it isn't the melody or the music or the song that makes you emotional, it's the thoughts that the words of the hymn produce. Thoughts of the Savior, of the Redeemer, of multitudes of lost souls, bring them in, rescue the perishing, sound the battle cry. So many songs and hymns that we could refer to that that don't just tug at your heartstrings. Now, it's okay, it's alright to have you know that song that just makes you emotional every time. I understand that. I'm not saying that it's bad to have emotions. What I'm saying is... You'd have to be a fool to not understand that much music today is designed to create an emotional response from the listener, not to make the listener think about what they're singing or about what they are hearing. A lot of the music today is designed to be acceptable by the greatest amount of people with the greatest amount of backgrounds. and, And that's not the purpose of praise and worship. The purpose of praise and worship is to direct our thoughts and our hearts towards our God. Praise and worship is not is not something that we use as a 
as a tool to try and bring in lost people, though it can be used that way. We don't change the message. We don't change the song. We don't change the method of, of praising and worship in order to make people feel comfortable. That, that's not what you do. You don't change the Bible in order to allow people who don't know the Lord to feel comfortable in church. You, you bring them into church. You show them why they should be uncomfortable. They're sinners. They're lost. They're on their way to hell. They need a savior. So why are we doing it with music? So many churches have abandoned good hymns and good songs of the faith and gone to whatever people who love country music like, people who love rock music or rap music. There is a so-called Christian music for every type of worldly music. Now, I don't care if your favorite type is Southern gospel or bluegrass gospel or hymns or contemporary, whatever type of music you like or you consider praise and worship You better make sure that those songs are glorifying to God and that you're not emulating the world in order to get an emotional response from people. It is far better to make them think and consider. And then as a result of that thought process, realize, wow, this God is worthy of my praise. Wow, this God has done so much for me. Wow, I I really do need to rescue the perishing and, and care for the dying. There are people dying in their sins and lost without the Savior, and I need to go out and I need to do something about it. We need more singing of songs in the realms of Christianity that will promote the scriptural idea of Christianity, not just make a person feel good. There's enough feel good Christianity out there. We don't need more of that. We need more truth Christianity, more Bible truth, doctrinally sound Christianity in the world today. We must just simply ask ourselves this question. Will I sing of mercy and judgment or will I sing whatever makes me feel good? Will I sing unto God or will I sing for my own pleasure? I'm not saying it's wrong to ever sing for any other purpose other than to sing praise to God. There are songs sung for lullabies. There are anthems sung for battles. There's music for making you laugh. And none of that is inherently wrong. It's just when you consider something Christian, when you say, I'm praising and worshiping my God with this music, that is something that is to be held to a higher standard. And if you are saved, if you are a Christian, The things that we listen to and allow into our lives and allow into our ears are things that ought to be honoring and glorifying to God. When we sing or listen to songs that are worldly and wicked, that's a problem. When we allow music to shape our lives more than the Word of God, that's the problem. That's why you must make sure the songs you sing are glorifying to God, like King David said in Psalm 101, verse 1. Thank you for listening.